0: You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show.
1: And welcome back. I'm Heather Caro.
0: And I'm Father John Rutten.
1: And we're broadcasting this morning from John Paul II Parish, St. John Paul II Parish, in Harrisburg, South Dakota. And it's been a phenomenal show. Holy Uh. buckets. Packed with power. Packed with power. And if you've missed any of our great conversations, you can check them out on our podcast, which we air on our app or radio station, yourcatholicradiostation.com or realpresenceradio.com. So you can check it out later um, on those sites if you've missed any of our great conversations. And they're not done. We still have one more great conversation to have. And it's it's really been an interesting morning because I think our shows always have a theme. Yep. and they always um, tend to center around uh, different themes. So, overall, arcing theme that you have noticed, Father.
2: I have boy, you got me. Um, I'm really going to take a moment to process what happened with Cristalina. Yeah, and I feel like i saying something.
1: I feel like uh, I feel what I'm feeling. For me personally, what I have taken away from this is the importance of community and hearing mm. each other, ah. learning from each other. Yeah. And so I'm really excited to get to talk with you about your journey also, because I think we have a lot to learn from you.
2: Well, I'm grateful to, to do so. Early in my conversion about 15 years ago, I spoke often. This was kind of like the thing. I just tell what happened to me so it was 15 Um, years ago 15 years ago uh coming up on 16 years and i used to thank you uh and she's referring to i haven't drank alcohol or abused drugs in that amount of time which is a miracle of grace but i used to say it a lot of times when it was sort of new and then now i mean my life is just so different uh that i refer to it but uh yeah so we just decided over these times together i'm gonna kind of break it up i'm gonna share my journey but just the beginning part right now, and then later on we'll talk about afterwards, mm-hmm. after the moment. So, uh, yeah, it's good to, good to look back at it in light of where I am today. And much of what Kristalina spoke about just resonated so deeply with me. And the addiction that I had to alcohol was something that sort of advanced over time. It wasn't really prominent or um, I didn't think I had a problem. But I was struck by Kristalina's just like, oh, yeah, I was sexually abused. And I was so like, how did she just say that? And it was the first time, I think, in my life where I understand what happens to other people in my journey. Anytime I've been assigned to a parish for a summer assignment, as a priest, whatever, the first time I'm introduced, I always refer to my alcoholism. Because it's just a way for me to keep honest. Mm. Like to take the thing that is easiest for me to hide and to just say in a real, you know, I try not to make a big deal, but just be like, this is who I am. And a part of me is this. Right. And people are always stunned. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I didn't get it until I heard Kristalina. And I'm like, oh. oh, this is the experience they're having. They're like, I deal with this or I know someone like this. And how are you so able to just say it like it's a part of normal life? And she said it. The shame is gone. Mm. The healing is there. The mm-hmm. process has begun in a way, um, it's just a part of my, it is a part of my normal life. And I really feel like growing up in the North end of Sioux Falls, South Dakota, that I had a normal life and there were, there was chaos, but there was Christ. There were beautiful moments, but there were wounds. And as I was growing up, I really wanted to hide the wounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought it was my job, um, Uh, My parents' marriage was a struggle, Mm -hmm. and I think I was at an age that that made an impression on me. That's not sort of, that's a part of the things that were complicated, but, uh, and I didn't want anyone to know about that. And there was a point in third grade where I made a decision that it was my job to ensure that nobody else knew the things that were happening that were bad. Boy, that
1: sounds familiar.
2: Yep, at third grade.
1: How many people out there feel that way? Take on that responsibility and try to control
2: it. Control it. And then what do you need to do in order to make that happen? You have to control everyone else. Mm -hmm. Or you have to make your presence so much that it's sort of like everything else fades. And in a way, that's what I did. I was, you know, just grew up then. I love the North End. If you know anything about me, you know I love my life. I love my mom. I love my dad. I love my family. I love my friends. I love Sioux Falls. Uh, But it... Uh, In the midst of it were sort of anxieties of life. And I found, I think I was like 10 years old and I started drinking and found like, ah, this is great. (laughs) (laughs) And and I remember the experience. I remember the room. I remember so much about it. And it it wasn't like now every weekend, but it was the moment I remember. This is the thing I've been looking for. Relief. Relief. Relief relief and now I'm a apart and these are my friends and by the time I was in junior high that was a little more common and then by the time I was in high school it was just a regular part of what we did and I but this was the funny part about it was at the same time I worked it, 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 quite a bit and so I had a job I made money I had had freedom in a way the freedom I thought and then when I ended up in college Uh, I ended up in a fraternity and I really discovered in college leadership that I had this ability to lead and it was like somehow in me. And so many, many things flourished in my life, but on the side was always this conviviality, this release from the pressure, this thing Mm -hmm. that uh, using and abusing alcohol and drugs provided for me. Well, when I got, um, when I sort of got to a place uh, I could always move on. I guess I would say I could always, okay. College is over now. Start again. Yeah. High school is over. Start again. So there was this ability to kind of like rev up the engines again. Okay. And it provided enough energy to take the next step, and it kind of kept the drinking at bay. It kept things in order. It, you know, and I was at an age in which it's not like nobody was doing it. So right. So I didn't. Ooh, I didn't think I was. There was anything really wrong. Uh, but when I got to Chicago, a couple of things really began to change in that, uh, in Chicago, I got a gym membership to the athletic facility, the gym in the morning Mm -hmm. from the company. But I was walking down the street one day when I got off the train, I went a different way to Michigan Avenue. I worked on the, um, in Chicago on the Gold Coast and this crucifix was etched in stone. This massive crucifix was etched in stone in the middle of the skyscrapers. And it was like a power pulled me across that street and into those doors and mass was happening. And I sat there and then I never went to the gym. I was like, what is this? And I mean, I was raised in a very faithful family. My parents loved Jesus. uh, So I knew what this was, but it was, for the first time in my life that I can think of, I was there of a power that I was like, this is really what I'm made for. (laughs) and i had a battle because i couldn't get to mass and to the gym and get to work on time and so for a year in chicago i would battle should i go to mass this morning and go to confession or should i go to the gym no and kidding yes and this happened like day after day i'm like i really want to go to mass i really want to go to confession but i really want to go to the gym and when but then i'd pack a bag and in the weekend i'd stay in town and i'd just get obliterated you know i'd just stay in chicago and just live the life uh well When you got on the train to go home, at the end of the train stop in Lombard, Illinois, is Sacred Heart Parish, and they have Eucharistic adoration. And one night I came home at the last train, and I was out of my mind. And I went in that chapel, and I knelt down in front of the Blessed Sacrament, and I just said, Guide me, Lord. Lead me, Lord. My gosh. And from the depths of me, I was like, I was saying what Kristen, I am so lost. I was so lost. It was like the first time in my life where I could, see, like, I don't know what I'm doing. But I knew something about this life with Christ was really who I was made for, but I couldn't muster it up to give in. Uh, and I was there one year, and I ended up taking a new job in Minneapolis. And when I got to Minneapolis, I totally left the practice of the faith, for the most part. I found a couple of places, but I really left, and I just gave Do you know myself... Why? Um, um, I'm not real sure. It just wasn't the present to me. It was just parish life. I go to parish life and I was empty. You know, I went to these churches and I'm like, there's nothing here for me. You know, I just, it wasn't like that moment in Chicago where I went in and I was like, Oh, here I am. Yeah, I just got to Minneapolis and my friends were there and we were in business and we were successful and I started working and I became successful at the job I was at. They promoted me. I ended up uh, taking responsibility for the marketing and sales of the company and I traveled a lot. I made a ton of money and I thought I had arrived. I thought this is what I was made for. <laughs> uh, but an interesting thing occurred was a few times I would be at a place in my life where I'd be totally unable to squelch the loneliness. And I'll be danged if I didn't search out a parish that had a chapel of Eucharistic Adoration. And I went to St. Louis Park, to the church there in Minnesota, and I found this chapel in the back, and I would go in there some nights, and I remember one night, it was like down pouring rain, and I'm going in there, and I just like, I don't even know why I'm here. I don't even know why I'm here. I don't even know what I'm doing. Like, I'm not practicing the faith. I'm not living with Christ. I'm not. But here I am. Like, guide me, Lord. Here I am. Lead me, Lord. Um, And it only was going to get worse.
1: We're going to have more of Father John's story here. We're going to take a quick break. Stay with us. We're going to have more in just a minute.
0: This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hello,
2: this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio, with a creative gift planning tip. Do you want to make sure Real Presence Radio continues to receive your support in perpetuity? Please call me, Mike Kitrowski at 701-290-4503. State tax credits may apply in some states. Let's get started.
0: The world is changing fast and needs problem
1: solvers and critical thinkers. Right here in your backyard, Not Marty believes every student has the potential to serve the world and make a difference we will help you obtain a degree that prepares you for success by exploring your talents and passion. Our community goes above and beyond to help each student feel at home, surrounded by love and support. We can't wait for you to see what's possible, and we hope the future brings you here close to home or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840.
0: This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back. I am Heather Carroll.
0: And I'm Father
2: John Rutten.
1: And we're right in the middle of Father John Rutten's uh, faith journey, his story. Um, this is going to be many segments So this is the first of many segments we're going to have with you, Father John. And you were sharing with us, um, you were in Minneapolis?
2: Yeah, so I had moved to Minneapolis for my career. Uh, my work really brought me there. Um, successful at what I was doing. I thought I was on the path I was that I was made for. Uh, I really ended up in a very short period of time because of circumstances that God permitted to happen, uh, had a lot career-wise that I'd always wanted, kind of what most people work 20 years, just like was there. Uh, I had great friends, and I like to think the only thing I didn't have was the wife so that I could move back to Sioux Falls and buy my parents' home and live happily ever after. And that was like always in my heart was, I want to raise my family in my parents' home. Mm. Always in my life. And... Um, and I never could really find a woman that it was like, okay, let's do that. You know, it, it was usually relationships that weren't ordered towards God or ordered towards fidelity in any way. And um, but I had great friends, and we had an awesome time up there. But uh, I would find myself in these moments of deep despair and real difficulty, and. One time, I remember, I was in uh, my apartment, and I remember the light coming through the window, and I'm the, uh, it's in the morning, on a Saturday morning, and I'm mixing uh, Morgan Coke with a knife and the glass, and I can remember it clinking and thinking, I wonder if this is what an alcoholic is. Hmm. And shut that question down immediately. Yes. Don't wanna, don't <laughs> immediately, alert. <laughs> Let's start. Uh, I don't know, uh, but it was the first time that I really remember asking that question of myself in my heart. Like, is there something wrong? And but it continued on. And what happened was a couple of different things in my work really started being impacted. I missed a flight one time uh, the night before. I had no intentions of. Drinking and doing all these things. I had a really important business meeting the next morning in California, and uh, I was at the uh, the Irish pub, and some friends came to town, and one thing led Mm -hmm. to another thing, that, 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 and all of a sudden, I wake up the next, you know, late for my flight. Mm -hmm. And a few more things like that began to happen, and one day, my boss, uh, someone at the company that was the marketing director... Uh, had been out to see my boss and he came home and he sat me down and informed me that now the roles are being reversed and the sales director and the marketing director were going to be in charge of me. Mm. And in that moment, like how I quickly I had operated, like in that moment, I was already planning how to move next. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to wait until this. I'm going to do this. And it was like masterful. I had created this What do you ability. mean by move? Like, like I'm going to wait until I get my bonus and then I'm gonna um, prepare. And my brother had asked uh, about this working for the family. So fleeing business the problem. And, yeah, flee the problem, relocate. And so when when I got to so then I, and I did that then. And my brother had wanted me to come back and help work with the family business, but instead of it being. These things told, I told everybody, oh, I'm going home to work at the family business. (laughs) Not, I have a big problem and I'm going to move to avoid it. Uh, So I got here. Go ahead. And in your
1: mind at that moment, because you're not thinking like you are right now, your thought process in that state, can you explain how you said it, made it okay for yourself that you had caused these issues at work, causing you to forcing you to move home. Do you I'm, know what I'm saying? Yeah,
2: I, I basically made uh, my boss the enemy. And that justified then the decisions that I was making. Um,
1: it wasn't you, it was It him. wasn't me, it was him.
2: And so then that kind of allowed it all to transpire. Well, I was only home uh, for six months and I was blackout driving. And I would wake up the next morning and not know how I got to the place I was at. Uh, And I had actually been back in Minneapolis visiting some people and I woke up one morning and this girl says to me, you don't know what happened last night, do you? And I'm like, it was the first time in my life, first time in my life, I'm 26 years old, that I couldn't piece together all of the parts from different people and stories that people didn't know I didn't know what happened. I had been blacking out, but I was capable of talking You're to this smart. friend, talking to that friend and be like, oh, it was great last night. Wasn't it, da, 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 da. And she just called me in the car. You don't know what happened to you. Well, they had found me in a grocery I had called from a grocery store parking lot and I didn't know where I was. And the fear to mm. head to toe and the fear I had was not that I would die. Actually, that would have been very good. But I was afraid I was going to kill somebody else while I was driving and I would live.
1: Were you also afraid that you were found out?
2: I don't think that really no? played a factor in it. This I was really um, recognizing, I don't know, it was about the driving. It was about if I kill someone and I have to live through that. That's what went through myself at the moment. I don't think, like, in a way, well... As I, you'll see, I didn't even know I had a p- drinking problem. So from that moment then, I went over to my sister's house who lived in the Twin Cities, and I basically told her my whole life. And after she listens to this, she's, we're sitting in my car outside of her house. After she listens to me just like, blah, 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 you know, <laughs> she says, um, have you ever thought you might have a drinking problem? Heather, for the first time, I'm like, <gasps> And it was like, you know how they talk about near-death experiences are tape real and they go back to your life. I feel like I had that moment and I could see in all of these moments in my life that alcohol was present. And I had never seen that. And I'm like, drinking, I have a drinking problem. <laughs> and in that car, we called my uncle who was a recovered alcoholic he said, if you, you got a great place in your backyard, I'd encourage you to go there. Uh, he, he, we went to Keystone Treatment Center in Canton, South Dakota. I went to the nurse. I said, he, they did an interview. They asked me things. I said, yep, yep. They said, yep, you got a drinking problem. I went in there, and I spent 30 days in that place to get help. And why I was willing to do all of those things, I have no idea. But God's grace moved me through that path. And when I got in there... Uh, my brother, they have family day, which mm-hmm. is like torture.
1: Yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, but my brother, Father Paul, was such an instrument. He, who, Like he usually is, he says very li- few things, but they're deep. And he said, I don't know much about all of this, but I know someone by the name of Michael Donnelly, and he helps people like you. And that was then amongst all this other chaos. Well, when I got out of there, I went back to Christ the King to return to the church. And after Mass, Steve Castle, a guy, comes over and says, What are you doing here? And I'm like, Uh, how do I tell him all that just happened to me? And I said, I just got out of treatment. And he said, Oh, come with me. And he took me outside into the fellowship hall where all these people were gathered with donuts and coffee. And there was a table of eight men. And he said, "Father John, or John Rutten, this is Michael Donnelly. Michael Donnelly, this is John Rutten. No way. Heather, <laughs> my jaw hit the ground and uh, I know a guy by the name of Michael Donnelly And he helps people like you Wow And Heather I just gave my life to him And I, I just began to do what he did I started going to that mass because he was there I started having coffee afterwards I'd stay because he was there And started I started the journey. the journey Oh
1: father I don't want the time to be over So this is why we're breaking it up Into mini sessions
2: So we The next will...
1: time we're going to host from Harrisburg We're going to get part two Amen. We don't know how many parts there are going to be. We don't. Holy Spirit's up
2: to that. At least three. You've got one. There's at least two more, you know, from Christ the King on. and yep. I
1: can't wait. I cannot so. wait. So let's go up to Fargo and Therese. Uh, can you share with us what's going on the rest of the week with Real Presence Live? Yeah, good morning. Great show today, guys. Thanks. <laughs> okay, so on the next Real Presence Live, Thursday from mm. 9 to 11 a.m. Central, we'll um, host Father... Jason Leffer and Father Jeff Epler will be coming to you live from Beaver's Cafe in Minto. We'll visit with Tim Olson from the Diocese of Fargo about his journey as a layman seeking God's will. And call in with your questions for our hosts during Straight Talk from 9 to 9.30 a.m. Central. Then Beaver Novak will be on with us to share about a fun opportunity for families and an exciting giveaway. All that and much more is coming up on the next Real Presence Live, Thursday from 9 to 11 a.m. Central. All right. Thanks, Therese. Yep. Father, Father, Father. I could spend hours and hours and hours talking with you, but thank you for co-hosting with us today.
2: You're welcome. Thank you for coming out. It's a grace for us. You know, we belong to something bigger than ourselves here in the parish. The diocese, of course, but this is just such a beautiful—it takes us outside even the diocese of Sioux Falls. Absolutely. The church is vast, and what a gifted world we live in.
1: Absolutely. So if you missed any of Father John's story or any of our other great— conversations that we had this morning you can check them out later today on your catholic radio station.com or real presence radio Um, or you can check it out on the podcast also we will be having all of these great conversations posted there later so any last thoughts father before we go
2: Heather, you are a blessing. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm really grateful for the work that you do in the church. And I think sometimes we can receive the church in a way that we forget there's like people, real people behind these ministries. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we aren't alone. You know, St. Paul said everybody has their part. Amen. Uh, so Heather Carroll is a part of the uh, this that's really a gift so thanks well thank you so much
1: will you part us with a blessing
2: absolutely the lord be with you and with your spirit may the god of goodness truth and love who has opened your hearts and minds continue to guide you in his way may almighty god bless you in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit
1: amen have a good week father
2: we will do and you too
1: all right thanks for joining us folks um Tomorrow, more Real Presence Live. We'll be, right, we won't be back. I lied. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody else will be back. More Real Presence Live tomorrow. But thanks for joining us. Thanks for leading us into your homes. Have a great day, and God bless.
0: This has been Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network.